the first million is the hardest to get. Yeah. We got that. So now I'm talking to everybody I know about 50,000 at a time, 100,000 at a time. That's great. But because the vision is so big and it includes manufacturing, it includes jobs, it includes green energy technology in these apartments, I don't need to talk to the $100,000 guy. I need to talk to the guy at that runs a big institutional type fund and I'm, you know, slowly making my way into those circles of talking to people just because I keep going. Every day it's what if it don't happen? Well, what if it does? But what if it don't happen? Mm-hmm. Alvin, you've been on every public meeting telling people you're going to do this and this and this and close this by this. What if it don't happen? But I mean, I just fell forward and I learned something and everybody else learned with me. And we'll just keep going. So I literally just talk myself through going. Because if I if I didn't do that, JR, I'd get scared. And put- There's nothing that I can say that can properly introduce a man like Alvin Pope Johnson. Whether you've heard of him or not, everyone, and I mean everyone, needs to listen to this no matter where you are in life or business. Welcome to the Instant Leverage Podcast. All right, what's up? We're here with uh, Alvin Johnson, and uh, you're actually, you're the only guest ever that I'm actually happy rescheduled on me because of what happened between the time that uh, we would have had our episode and now. So uh, so we were at the uh, Grand Cardone Real Estate Summit, and I had no idea that you were there. And so originally, we were supposed to do this episode before that. You're wow. sure right. Yeah, I remember yeah. that now. Yep. About so, a month ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then uh so then it got rescheduled and we went to the event and then you got called up on stage and you got the biggest cosign from Grant Cardone no uh, right. I've ever seen. And it was it was crazy because it was like I was like, oh shit, I know that guy. <laughs> and uh and then he brought you on stage and you told your story and then you did a little bit of teaching. So uh what was that? What was that like for you? Man, um, I'm surprised I didn't cry because I typically, you know, get real overwhelmed with emotions and moments like that. But when Grant touched me on the shoulder and said, y'all need to get to know this guy and y'all need to do business with him. I felt something and I didn't know what it was. It was really weird. And then when I, you know, when I got off stage, everybody wanted to talk to me and stuff. That was really weird. Yeah, you got mauled for like the next hour. Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but yeah. The next day I I sent him a message and I said, man, thank you for what you did. Nobody's ever done that. I really appreciated it. And he said, Alvin, I was just trying to transfer some power to you. And that is what it felt like when, you know, when he put his hand on my shoulder and I'm like, it's like, you could just feel the transference of something like, what is that? I just watched, uh, (laughs) I just watched, I just rewatched Space Jam 1. Uh-huh. And uh, do you remember when they at the end when Michael Jordan has the ball and he's like touch the ball and then they all get their power back? Um, it was like that basically. It was like that. It was. So, uh, damn, I, there's so much that I want to I want to talk to you about right now. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, um, so two things just to to put it out there: you were millionaire by 21, yeah. lost everything by 24, yeah. um, tried to kill yourself. And, yeah. and thankfully wasn't successful. Yeah. 
share that. I want to hear that story from your perspective. And then I want to ask you a few questions about it. Okay. Well, um, back up a little bit further. Uh, so, um, nine years old, I got molested by a neighborhood friend, family friend, 11 years old. My dad left home, left, beat the shit out of my mom and left. Whereas a kid, I didn't see him leaving her. He left me. Um, so you, you take a, a while and I've always been a dreaming kid, man. And I used to dream about being a race car driver and an astronaut and a truck driver and all that stuff. Cause it was cool back then. I'm still going to be a race car driver. Cause I'm going to buy my own car. I don't know about going, being an astronaut, but maybe I'll get enough money and ride up there with Elon one day. But, uh, uh, at nine years old, all of those dreams were stripped away. And then at 11 years old, it was compounded when my hero left me. So talk about abandonment issues on top of all kind of trauma that I didn't really know about. Nobody talked about that kind of stuff in 1974, three, whatever. Um, Surely not black men. And so, um, man, by the time I finished high, oh, and then I got in trouble with the police at 14 or 15, hanging with the wrong crowd. And um, could have went to prison because of what they did. And fortunately, I got I got blessed. Judge gave me an opportunity to turn my life around. And this oh, was in Atlanta? No, this was in Beaumont, Texas. Okay. Which is where I grew up. And... Um, not turn my life around, but turn my life around. Like quit hanging with the wrong people or whatever, whatever. He didn't care. If I see you in here again, it's not going to be nice. Okay. So then um, got through high school. So my mom was a teacher. I went to high school where my mom taught. 11th grade, it comes out on the front page news, Beaumont Enterprise and the journal. They used to have two papers. Uh, that, you know, Alvin Johnson was arrested and got this and this and this for all this junk that happened. And so total embarrassment to my mom, but she never let me know that. Um, Then I got married at 17 because I was afraid to be by myself. My girlfriend at that time wanted to go off to college. Another trigger for my abandonment issues that I'd had. So I smooth talked her into not going to college and marrying me because she wouldn't just live with me. And then um, a couple of years later, we had a son. And and right out of high school, Gerard, man, I uh, I didn't go to college. My parents were both teachers. My grandmother was a principal. All of their family were educators. Nobody talked to me about college at all. By the time I came around, they was all drunk. They was all tired of dealing with kids. And they'd send me in the back room every day. My mom didn't drink, but everybody else around us did. And uh, they just, you know, never talked to me about that. So right out of high school, I needed a job and I got a trade. Uh, My then mother-in-law got me a job with her friend that was a paint contractor. And I learned how to paint houses. A couple of years later, he went out of business and I still needed to eat. And we had a kid now and, you know, he's growing teeth. And that means he wants meat and all this junk and these shoes. (laughs) And I started knocking on doors. I'll paint your house for 200 bucks if you buy the paint because I was really good at it. And I knocked on the door of uh, Mike Jenkins. Uh, who was doing a hotel renovation project, and he gave me that job. He said, Alvin, can you get some crews? I said, yeah, all those guys that I used to work for and with, uh, they'll all come work for me. 
And so man, and this we was buy. like 1985. This would have been, see, AJ was born in 86. This would have been about 87, 88, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, yep. Interest rates were starting to rise, which is why um, we did that hotel job. When it was done, I had about 50 employees, 50 you know, guys working for me. I went from a guy that they used to throw in the closet to teach me how to paint baseboards and sand sheetrock. The only black dude in any trade in Beaumont, Texas, that I ever saw working on multi-million dollar houses in the 80s. Huge mm. houses. I mean, I drive through there now and go, damn, these houses are big. <laughs> Still. And um going, and then I was then I was their employer. <laughs> that was a joke. But anyway, when that job was over with, man, we had money in the bank. We I was a millionaire. We had done some substantial great work. And uh, then we couldn't find any more work. So that money lasted for a little while. And I had bought a whole bunch of tools and trucks and boats and junk and um, squandered a lot of money. Not squandered, but squandered. And um, a fool and his money are quickly parted. So on my son's third birthday, man, I couldn't even buy him a Hot Wheel car. We were literally getting put out of our house that day. Uh, he was three, so I was 24 years old. Um, the lights were getting cut off that day. We opened the cabinet that morning. There was regular oatmeal. We had one bowl of oatmeal that I let them to eat. Uh, my wife got up, kissed me by, went off to work at Joski's, um, dropped my son off at daycare. I proceeded to go around the corner to my mother-in-law's house, put the 38 in my head, didn't go off. Said, aha, I'll take some nitroglycerin pills. This will work. Uh, those are used by heart patients to explode in their blood system to make their heart pump. My father-in-law at the time was a heart patient had had multiple open heart bypasses. And that was his drug when he felt like he was about to faint. Take one of those little pills under his tongue and blow his heart up and he'd be good. So I figured three or four of those with three or four hundred of those big bottle, little bitty pills. I figured that would do it. But I remember, man, going to sleep on the couch and saying, God, man. I don't know how to deal with this. If you got a plan for my life and a purpose, then I'm sorry. If you don't, please have mercy on me. And I woke up 10 days later in intensive care. My mother actually, you know, I'd never called my mother the whole time she's ever been a teacher, never called her at work. And that particular morning I called her before I took those pills because I really just wanted to talk to somebody, anybody. Nobody was there. And so because that was such a strange occurrence, when the uh, secretary went to my mother's classroom and told her that I had called, mom immediately left school. She knew something was wrong. And so she found me at my in-law's house. I was passed out. I'd already taken all those nitroglycerin pills and I was probably on my way to dying if she hadn't gotten there. And uh, they took me to the hospital and I woke up 10 days later and went, man, you're a fucking loser. You couldn't even kill yourself. That was the first thought came to my head. So, um, Family nursed me back to health, man. Took about six, eight months for all that junk, drugs, and uh, psychotic medicine they were giving me to get out of my system. And uh, here I am. So, how did you uh, how did you start the process then to rebuild yourself? Uh, right after that, I went and got a job driving a truck. Well, actually, I went to truck driving school. 
didn't know what else to do sitting around while they were nursing me back to health, watching all those crazy channels during the day with, you know, truck driving school commercials and all that stuff. And so I said, that'd be great. I think I need to do that. So I did, man. I went and drove a truck for about two years and um, got to know myself a little bit better. And really, I don't know that I ever dealt with it. I just dealt with it, you know, just just something that happened and um, just walked it out. I don't I don't know. I There was no thought of counseling back then or man, I was, you know, I was broke and just glad to be alive, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't really know. I didn't really start working on me till I was about 40 something years old when I realized, man, something ain't working. You know, I need some, I need some mentors. I remember my 38th birthday, woke up by myself, big old house and said, God, man, I need some mentors. I need a mentor for a marriage. I need a mentor for business. I need a mentor for friendship. I need somebody to teach me how this works because nothing I'm doing is working. And uh, and these guys, man, literally just started showing up in my life little by little, even till today, because I still pray for that. Okay. And uh, so how did you find, because now you're this big time apartment syndicator and $150 million and and $1.5 billion in real estate and all this stuff. Uh, how, like, how did that ball get rolling? Well, uh, the 1.5 billion in real estate came about by me volunteering for a guy. I told you I, I had just prayed for some mentors. So I think it took a long time for Steve to show up, but uh, I think I was about 43 in 1980. I mean, 2000 and eight. Um, I met this guy in 2007. His name was Steve Sturkle, great friend of mine. Uh, I was introduced to him by an appraiser friend that we had in common. And uh, he told me I, what I had done, JR, I, you know, since then I had run a couple of mortgage companies from 96 to about 2007, had done really well in the mortgage business, had been married again, made millions of dollars. I mean, we were funding. I had 20, 30 loan officers at one time. And this was a 96, 7, 98. Industry buckled a little bit in 2000, 99, 2000. And then um, we transitioned to, I moved to Dallas. Um, one of my, yeah, we didn't go down that road. Anyway, I moved <laughs> to Dallas and uh, and started a mortgage company again. So in 2000 or so, I started a nonprofit because I was making a lot of money. And I wanted to use my education skills to teach people how to buy real estate. I always wanted to do that. And so I set up this nonprofit and what we were going to do, we were going to buy the HUD houses for a dollar and then, you know, go through that whole process of reselling them. The first look program is what HUD has for nonprofits. Well, my appraiser friend said, uh, I got this guy, man, he owns some apartments and he has it all under a nonprofit. So he connected me with Steve. Steve told me he would help me, man. He flew into Dallas one day on his private jet. He had, they had three airplanes, a jet, King Air, and little Piper that they flew around the country taking care of their business. He flew here to Dallas to meet me. We had a couple-hour meeting, wonderful meeting. He told me he'd help me. I called him for three weeks after that meeting, and he talked to me. And then on the fourth week, he quit answering my calls, and I kept calling, and I kept calling. And I called for almost a year. And on, I think it was February something, he picked up the phone and said, this of 2008, Alvin Johnson, I'm tired of you calling me. 
texting me, emailing me. If you want to know what I do, you can come to Amarillo, Texas, and I'll put you up for 30 days. Be here March 1st. Got the biggest suitcase I could find. Went up there, and, man, I gave, I gave my all for 13 months. The first 90 days I was volunteering. After 30 days, he said, Alvin, you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm out in Waco, and I'm doing this and going all over the country, looking at the properties, uh, engaging with the local governments because this was affordable housing. A lot of the properties were in, in disrepair. And, uh, you know, I was kind of fighting uh, some, I was a PR person for him. You know, he's sending the black dude in, you know, it's affordable housing. Uh, I'm working, I'm on, I'm really close to the president of this foundation and maybe I can help you guys get something done with the property. So everybody loved it. Well, April 1st, 2009, my friend died in a car wreck, 13 months after I was there. The this day was before Steve? he died, yeah, Steve. The day before he died, he had come to Dallas and fired about 150 people from the office because it was right after 2008, Barry Stearns, Lehman Brothers, all that stuff's gone away. Um, we had some really bad financing tied to some of those projects. And uh, it was a bad time in the financial crisis. Uh, it was, a, yeah, in the markets. And uh, so he died April 1st, and there was literally nobody tied to the company anymore that knew where the properties were or anything about them. So the, the board asked me if I wanted to be the president. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take over. Billion and a half dollar company, let's do it. And they said, oh, <laughs> but we're in bankruptcy and we're going to get rid of the assets. So I don't care. So um, I learned more about financing and partnership agreements and big dollars by unwinding that company and getting rid of those assets. And I, I couldn't have got that education at Harvard or, or MIT or Warren School of Business. I couldn't have gotten that. All the guys that were sitting next to me, that's where they went. All the attorneys that worked for me at that time, that's the schools they went to. And we sat there. And so here I'm a kid out of Beaumont, Texas, man, controlling this company. Even though it's in bankruptcy, it was really cool. I got It was a great experience for me. And at the end of that day, when that was over with, I landed here at Hope Housing Foundation. Um, we changed, we constituted a new board and said, we're going to go buy some apartments. And um, we have been responsible for 35 units of housing. Today, we own a little over 1,000 units, about $105 million in value. Um, we've sold a couple of assets and, and so now we're on the way up to 20,000 mm. plus units, man, in the next five years. That's awesome. And I love, uh, watching your journey. We, we got connected. I don't even know if you remember, we got connected because I was like, Hey, uh, who knows someone killing it in real estate? Cause I'm, I'm trying to get some podcast guests and, uh, one of my friends, Arnie tagged you. And then I've been uh, on Facebook and then I followed you on Instagram and I've been just watching all your stuff, like consuming your content, everything that you post. I'm like, you know, heart that, like that, share that. So uh, it's Thank been you, cool to to see it, uh, you know, up close. And what I want to do, like my journey is uh, I don't know if, if you know too much about me, but kind of similar. Like I, I didn't meet my dad until I was eight years old and uh, grew up with a single mother, never made more than twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. Um, and at like 14, 15, uh, we, we didn't have running water for six months because, uh, one of our, my mom bought her house right before the 2008 crash, uh, which it was a house that she 
probably didn't really qualify for. Um, so one of the pipes burst and we didn't have money to fix it. So we went six months without running water um, until we got approved for some government program where they like would fix it for you subsidized. And then if you ever sold the house out of profit, you had to pay it back essentially. Um, but it took six months for us to get that. And uh, at that time I knew like, okay, I want to, I want to be rich. Like I want to make money. Yeah. And uh, I looked around and I'm like, like, where's all the money? Who has it? Like who's, who's holding it right now. And uh, that's when I realized that it, it was, it, was, it kind of came at a perfect time. Cause we had a career day at school where this guy came in and he shared with us every career and how much they made. So uh, it was like, you know, accountants and, you know, nurses and all this stuff. So I, I went to the how much they made column and then I, I looked for the highest ones and it was doctor, lawyer, engineer. And uh, my GPA was like 2.4 at the time. So, uh, and I was like, I was cheating to get, just to get through like algebra two. Um, so I was like, man, that's probably not gonna happen. So I, I talked to the, the guy who's putting it on. He's like, oh, there's actually another option. And it's actually what I am. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's an entrepreneur. And he's like, oh, I actually never went to college. I never went to school at all, except to learn how to fly my plane. And uh, that's when I was like, oh, okay, so what's it not like, how do I, be, how do I do that? And he's like, well, you kind of have to find your own way. Um, so that's when I realized, like, that's when it clicked for me driving down the street, every one of these businesses is owned by somebody. And every one of these buildings and houses is owned by, by a human being. So that kind of set me on, on my path. And then I started a tax business when I was 18, uh, 53 employees by the time I was 21, uh, sold those. And then I uh, moved to Virginia beach, opened another one, sold that one. And then I started uh, digital marketing and I grew my digital marketing business. And we did uh, last year, we did almost uh, uh, $2 million. And then I realized like, man, this is such like a, a, I'm thinking too short. I'm thinking too small and I'm thinking too short term. Like everything was about next week, next month. Um, So I was like, how can I, how can I balance this out with some long-term thinking? And that's when I was like real estate. So I started, I went down this rabbit hole. This was late last year, like in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, by January, bought my first property. Uh, March, bought uh, four units. Uh, and then we bought another single family. And then uh, we got five units under contract right now. And I was like, okay, this is cool, but it's going to take forever at, at this rate. And uh, I was like, you know, one unit, three units, four units at a time. It, number one, it's taking me months just to find these deals. Right. And even when we do, it's like, we, we crushed it. Like we, we bought one deal where we had, uh, we have $250,000 in equity already. Uh, and we bought that deal in March. Um, but I was like, you know, to get where I want to go as fast as I want to go, we need to, we need to look into some apartments. Um, so I started, I, I literally went to YouTube and I typed in like how to buy apartments and I found uh, a video. It was like a bigger pockets video. Mm-hmm. And the guy, uh, Michael Blanc, I'm sure yep. you, he's industry guy. Um, he broke it down really well. And then I was like, all right, well, I bought his book and then I bought the Joe Fairless book. And then I started reading forums and watching YouTube videos. And then I, uh, I started realizing like, 
we need to look off market for apartments because none of these none of these brokers are really you know taking me serious and uh, even when they do like like one of the brokers he, he, you know how brokers send out emails and they'll, they'll there's like hey i got this deal or whatever um so usually they blind cc people but one time he forgot to blind cc so i got to see every other person on the email and it was like 200 people uh, basically for this, this one deal. So I was like, I'm never going to get anything uh, from these guys. And if I do, it's going to be in the long run. So we've been going off and we've been uh, texting apartment owners. Um, I'm actually putting in an offer today on a 32 unit in Denver. We, we found that guy through texting him, uh, mm-hmm. scraping the data, yeah. put it into the software, virtual assistant sends a text. Uh, we're doing direct mail. We're doing uh, cold calling now as well. And I'm just going about it through, through every single uh, angle, but our goal is a thousand units by 2024. And we like, I'm dead set right now. Like we need to close on at minimum a 24 unit by the end of the year, uh, no matter what. So I'm like blinders on to that goal. So what I want to ask you, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a a background on like me and what we're trying to do. But what I want to ask you is, let me ask you a question first. Go ahead. Is that a two comma uh, club? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that was for my, my uh, virtual assistant business where we basically would source virtual assistants from the Philippines. We would train them on how to set, how to set appointments for marketing agency owners. And then we would support the marketing agency owners in the form of a coaching program. So uh, I actually, I saw you have a coaching program. So I definitely want to talk to you about that. Cause I think I can help you uh, bring some value there. Yeah, so perfect timing. Cause we are <laughs> ready to launch. Cool. So uh, what I want to ask you is a little bit more into the the mindset, because I've been into like lately a lot of uh, Ed Milet stuff and and just realizing the, the Grant Cardone event was life changing for me because I realized that uh, Grant, he's, he's a super intelligent guy, but I don't think he's any more intelligent than me or you. Like, I think his his uh, intelligence level is you know, slightly above average. Yeah. He's, 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 he's a sharp dude, but I think that intelligence wise me, you we're all on the same level as he is. So I was like, what, what makes this guy so different? And it's his mindset. It's, it's just his mindset and his energy. Those two things I think are super, super unique uh, to grant to where everything that uh, every, every situation I see, he approaches it from a completely different lens and that, has affected his results big time. So, and consistency. Um, and yeah, and consistency, extremely consistent, dude. So Every years of no drinking, no alcohol, no nothing, head down, running 5,000 miles an hour for 30 years, wound up and you got a billion plus dollars an hour. Right. <laughs> so, what do you, do you ever have? Uh, I'm always curious to ask this question to successful people. Do you ever have doubts about your abilities? Every day. Okay. And when, when those thoughts come up, how do you handle it? And like, what do you do? I keep going. So I'm working on a deal right now, raising money for it. Never know if I'm going to get the money, but I keep going. I keep talking. I keep pushing. I keep talking to people. So my goal for 20,000 units in five years requires me to do $10 million transactions. And we need um, I 
in the next three years, I need about 250 to 300 million, mm-hmm. 10 million at a time. The first million is the hardest to get. Yeah. We got that. So now I'm talking to everybody I know about 50,000 at a time, 100,000 at a time. That's great. But because the vision is so big and it includes manufacturing, it includes jobs, it includes green energy technology in these apartments, I don't need to talk to the $100,000 guy. I need to talk to the guy at that runs a big institutional type fund and I'm, you know, slowly making my way into those circles of talking to people just because I keep going. Every day it's, what if it don't happen? Well, what if it does? What if it don't happen? Mm-hmm. Alvin, you've been on every public media and telling people you're going to do this and this and this and close this by this. What if it don't happen? But I mean, I just fell forward and I learned something and everybody else learned with me. And we just keep going. So I literally just talk myself through going. Because if I if I didn't do that, Jr., I'd get scared and I'd put my head down and I would do nothing. Mm-hmm. So. so every day you have that uh, you have that self talk that uh, back and forth. Just about. And uh, so, how often does the the good side win versus the every time? Cool. Can't quit. So how did you build that? I think it might have been yesterday. Might have been this morning where I was thinking about, okay, how much earnest money have we put up on this deal? 350,000 bucks. What would happen if I didn't close it? I ain't going to think about that. I literally said, no, we ain't thinking about that because the deal is today's August the 2nd. I have to close this deal by August 30. Mm Mm-hmm. So your your earnest money just went hard. Oh, it's been hard. Okay. I chunked a hundred thousand at it on the first just to keep the deal going. Cause you know, within my extension rights. And um and like, well, we only got three fifty in it. Only three fifty in it, man. You ain't gonna quit. <laughs> <laughs> so then I so and the and the challenge has been, so this deal is set aside for 400 units, already platted, shovel ready. I'm only doing 200 units, but I'm buying the land for 400 units. So it made my numbers skewed a little bit. So what I'm literally doing now is I called two guys this morning, I'm gonna do a land loan to close on the land by the end of the month. And then that'll give me enough time to subdivide this lot in the two phases, even if I have to replat it. So then when I close on phase one, I got one project. And then when I close on phase two, it's a totally different track of land and a totally different uh, deal because we got partners in phase one. I can't assume they want to stay in for phase two. So I'm always thinking of a backup plan. What if I can't close this thing by the end of the month? How can I close this thing by the end of the month? Mm-hmm. Okay, the whole deal may not close by then, but let's go get a land loan at 60, 65, 70% LTV, put in the cash, take control of the deal, own it, and then walk it out even if it takes us three more months to get it done. So just always thinking of a way around my impediment um, or my hurdle. If I can't go over it, if I can't run through it, I'll go around it. I'll dig it up, whatever it takes. But um, and and sometimes not knowing when to quit can run you off of, off of a cliff. And I don't know when to cliff when to quit. So I mean, but unfortunately, we haven't run off of a cliff. 
<laughs> you know, we pushed through, pushed through, pushed through. And then it's like, man, it was worth it. So where are you finding your deals right now? We're creating our deals now. So now we're finding land that's entitled uh, and we're going full development. We're not buying any more class C deals. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of those. I've spent so much money on maintenance and plumbing and uh, redoing cabinets and spending 15000 a unit to make them super duper nice. And that's great. But now the deals that I'm finding are 80, 90, 100,000 plus per unit. And you still got to put some money in it. And you still have ACs that break. I'll just go build some stuff for 135 a door and have 10 years of no maintenance. And that's mm-hmm. how I'm going to get to 20,000 units. And, and this, this thing's going to be worth a whole lot of money. <laughs> whole lot. What's been your best day in real estate so far? Best day in real estate? Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. I've had so many good days forever. But I think the the well, maybe one of the first monumental days was when we closed on uh, our first deal, you know, our first hundred and ten unit deal. That was probably uh, probably one of the best because at that point, you know, I was like, man, what am I going to do? I don't have nothing to do. I can't find a job. Nobody going to give me a job, so I'm not even going to go look. Hadn't had a job in forever, so. Uh, to walk through that broken partnership and get that deal transferred over to us and walk it out and then find after going through over a hundred investors flying into this little bitty town in South Texas to see this rundown property and to get one guy that saw my vision. Hey man, it's 110 houses operated as an apartment complex, low income housing tax credits is 98% occupied. The rents are $370 per month. We're paying eleven thousand five hundred and something dollars per unit. Can't replace it for that, and we can double the rents here in the next couple of years if we spend a little money. And to be able to tell that story and craft my story and get somebody to believe it was mm-hmm. probably really cool. Maybe the best day in real estate might have been the day that Grant blessed me, gave me the blessing. Mm-hmm. That might be one of them because <laughs> we. A couple of the calls that I've had since that event with some of the guys there <laughs> could really change the game. Really. So that you, you just never know. You know, we're planting these seeds. We don't know who's going to see this podcast. We don't know how this will bless somebody else. I had a guy, we were in Clubhouse um, Saturday night. And we just, you know, it's I got to start jumping on your clubhouses too, dude. I got to start jumping on your clubhouses too. Yeah, you should, man. And not just mine, but just there was about a thousand people in this room and somebody asked me my story and I told them mm-hmm. and uh, the molestation, the suicide attempt. And last night, man, I had a guy call me and and thank me for that. He said, man, I'm 38 years old, man. I was molested at 10. I've never been able to tell anybody except my wife about this. And uh, so we talked for about an hour and a half. He said, man, I've tried to kill myself. And this, I mean, big, I mean, we're talking big, strong black dudes, man, with families and great businesses broken because mm-hmm. of what happened. It's more men being molested than than you could than girls, probably. And uh that blessed me so much. I remember a month ago I called that story, I told that story on Clubhouse. This guy got my number off my profile and called me and said, Man, 
Thank you for sharing that. I sent my wife and kids away this weekend so I could kill myself. And when I heard you say that, it changed my whole perspective. So just having an opportunity, I, I don't wear any of that junk as a badge of honor. But what I do is I try to listen for that still small voice on the inside of me that tells me when to share it. And typically when that happens, it helps somebody. So every day is a good day in real estate. <laughs> what is uh what are some of your like uh goals outside of making money? I don't have none. <laughs> now let me tell you why I say that. You never heard me mention I want to make up money. You heard me say I want to have 20,000 units. We're going to build 20,000 units. Of course, that produces money. But in the process of building 20,000 units, we will have employed probably over 10,000 people. We'll have 20,000 people living in our units. We will have created so many jobs, so many businesses, so many people that have that need second chances that are in, maybe in prison right now nonviolent offenders that we're going to give careers to when they get out and they're going to come and learn how to work in our, our manufacturing plant that's building our wild panels. And we're going to turn some of them into subcontractors, literally go out and build our product. You don't have to know how to frame a house to use what we build. So, the, so my goal around 20,000 units is not for the money. It's for the impact. The money always comes. I'm not worried about that. What's the best advice you have for somebody that's uh, looking to buy apartments? Do it. <laughs> uh, learn your numbers. It's all around the numbers. Um, I'd also, uh, you, somebody on the team needs to know something about the construction components of this. You know, the way we've done really well is because I had construction experience. So I was not afraid to buy a building that was horrible because I know how to put it back together. If you don't have that, somebody on the team needs to have that experience so that you can not be taken for a ride by general contractors or shade tree contractors or whatever you want to call them. But uh, I think uh, build a team, do it first. Build it, do it, and then figure it out later. But build a team in the process, and uh, make sure that team is fully equipped. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, the biggest thing, Jr., is uh, mastering the art of storytelling. I don't care how much money you got; money doesn't always buy deals. Relationships buy deals. Money doesn't get it done. You can have all the money in the world, and nobody want to sell it to you if you don't know how to communicate with people. You won't buy anything. Mm -hmm learning how to tell your story of what you want and how you want to do it and the impact that your story or what you want to do is going to make gets deals done. It finds money, it finds opportunities and it finds the people. Give me an example of a time that uh, you told a story better than the next guy and therefore like got the outcome. Well, I can tell you that Grant Cardone has over 650,000 followers on clubhouse I don't know how many millions on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And I've talked to him telling my story on Clubhouse, and I was on his stage two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. How did how did you guys get connected on, on Clubhouse? Just hanging out. 
I saw him in a room one night. Uh, I went to GrowCon two years ago in 2019. Paid $10,000 for a ticket. I usually have on my 10X chain. I don't have it today. It's in the truck. Uh, and I, I was like, I can't believe I paid this, this MF $10,000 for this ticket. I just can't believe I did it. But then I totally got blown away. One comment he said. So in a VIP party, of course, he's walking through. And I said, hey, Grant, one question. Maybe two. He stopped. I said, are you going to run for president? And he looked at me. And the reason I asked that question is because he had Trump's campaign manager there as one of the speakers. Uh, and he had several politicians there and they were talking about him possibly running for governor. So I saw some correlation. And, you know, I talked about that the other day. Uh, Trump University, Cardone University and, and, and the correlation and this campaign manager. And anyway, uh, when I saw him on Clubhouse, I reminded him of that. And so it just like, Oh yeah, I remember you. And so we just every room he goes in, I go in because I'm I'm listening, man. I'm learning. I'm I'm up in my thinking game. I'm expanding my dreams. Um, nine months ago, before Clubhouse, I would not be sitting here telling you that I was going to build twenty thousand units in five years. I knew we were going to build some apartments, but I had no idea that that reach would be that my dream or my thought process would go that big. So. What do you think? So I'm uh, I'm new to Denver and uh, actually yesterday made a year since I moved here. And uh, once I got into the real estate game, I was like, I I need to meet the right people here. And uh, I've set out to do that. And I've met some some pretty high level people. And it's it's just the beginning. And I, I see the path like I have, like my hit list of people to meet in this in this area. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most important thing? to get into a room with higher level people that are going to inspire you to think bigger? It's going to cost you something. It, it costs me 13 months of volunteer or 90 days of volunteering, but 13 months of pouring out everything I had for another man's dream to be blessed with what I have today. It cost me $10,000 the first time, plus $10,000 this year for GrowthCon, plus a lot of training with Grant's team and his programs to be at a place to where he knew who I was and my conversation. So it costs something. Uh, I would say find the best. Well, you did it. I mean, you were at the, the Real Estate Summit. That room right there. Um they had tickets in that room from $997 to $25,000. I think the $25,000 had a VIP uh, party, and that's where they hang out. Do you have to pay $25,000? Maybe not. Wait till it comes around again and do the $10,000 VIP ticket. Mm-hmm. The party was in Grant's hangar. He had his jet there. You know, so you're having a party with Rick Ross and all these dudes banging it out, two or 300 people, and there's his plane. And he said, that's just in there so that as you sit here, you can imagine having your own. And I've had a helicopter and a jet on my desk for years. So I know that it's just right around the corner. How do you determine where you spend uh, the majority? Where's the right place to spend your time right now? For me, 
Yeah, just day to day. Phone calls, follow up. Uh, only because I'm making some connections and talking to people. So now I'm getting contacts. And so for me, I spend my time, well, we're working on getting a couple of deals done, but I spend most of my time uh, talking to investors, bankers, partners, because uh, we, we, we about to get this 250 million. So that's where I spend most of my time. That's my focus. I get the money, I can get the deal. I put, well, and I do spend some time uh, putting deals together because we got, I think I got four contracts we're working on now besides the one we're going to close this month. So, um, but all of that, once we get the land tied up or in the process of getting tied up, I'm always looking for investors and partners. So that's where most of my time is spent. So as a as CEO, that's, that you, that's where you feel like you get the highest leverage and return on your time is just uh, raising money, talking to investors, potential partners, stuff like that. That's my highest and best use. Absolutely. So then is there somebody who's out there like looking for land and on a daily basis or what? I got some broker friends here in the Dallas market that have found me three or four really great deals. I've got two great deals off a of clubhouse um, uh, deal in uh, Calabash, North Carolina, really close to Winston-Salem. Our shovel ready for 160 some odd units of, of housing. So we're going to, and it's literally just talking to people. I got a deal in Florida we're looking at just from Clubhouse talking to people. So they just you start telling people what you want, and it'll start showing up if you're consistent. So we'll we'll kind of round out with this. Uh, you've mentioned Clubhouse a bunch of times, yeah. and it, it seems to, I mean, it's done some amazing things for you. Yeah. What do you think it is? What's the what's the formula, the strategy for Clubhouse? For me, it was no strategy. It was just uh, just talking about what you know. And see, I, I think I had an, well, I'm not gonna say an advantage, but I got on in December, there were not many people on. There were not many rooms run uh, about real estate. So me and all of my friends that are doing this Clubhouse Live event, we were on Clubhouse eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And then it was during the holidays, right? The end of December, nobody was working. And so we we connected. And so after spending the first initial couple of months, almost 24 hours a day while we were doing nothing at home during the holidays, it has literally just become a platform that I use all day. I'm so, One of my phones is probably on it now. I mean, I'm not listening or I'm I mean, you know, I'm not a part of it, but it's on. Mm-hmm. And I've met some. Dyn- I mean, where can you meet John Legier, the guy that used to run T-Mobile? <laughs> Where are you going to meet him at? I mean, I don't know how much money he got, but he ran a very big company. So I'm sure his his uh, his exit package from there was over nine figures. I'm sure. Right. So but you can talk to him on Clubhouse, <laughs> you know, hang out with him, talk to him. And so, yeah, it's been a game changer. So where can everybody uh, connect with you and, and follow your journey? Alvin10k.com. That's real simple. Alvin, www.alvin10k.com. That'll take you to my website. It'll take you to all of the events we're doing. It'll take you to all of my social platforms. One link, alvin10k.com. 
Cool, man. Well, thank you for coming on here and uh, sharing your journey and wisdom with us. Uh, I got a lot of value out of this. So uh, I'm I'm pumped. Like I'm ready to go make some phone calls right now. So uh, thank well, you. You talk to that guy that's got that hundred million. Y'all just call me on a three way. You got the <laughs> right number. <laughs> I, I'm laughing, but I'm not playing because <laughs> I know you're going to meet him. Especially yep. in Denver. Mm-hmm. Just stay out of just stay out of the dispensaries. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. He might be running the dispensary. <laughs> cool, man. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, brother. Let's talk soon, okay? Thanks for listening to the Instant Leverage Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll leave us a five-star rating and subscribe. See you on the next episode. Thank you.